here's what's happening. Here's what I've tried. Here's what I'm continuing to try. But the fact is I've got two more weeks till I have to pay rent and I'm not going to pay my rent and I don't want to live in my car. Can you help? Can you help me get home? I'm Nina Friedman, and this is Wearing. Wearing explores where we are. It is dedicated to those who believe in the inherent right of belonging and all the ways we feel we belong and connect to ourselves, to each other, and the spaces that hold the stories where all of this comes alive, where each experience of belonging is a work of art created by chance or by design. Dare I ask, is belonging where you are, not what matters most? Wearing is the spatial story. Welcome. Lori Kirstein is a multi-talented force, an actress, singer, author, and entrepreneur. She brings these skills to her training programs, which focus on leadership from a place of presence and truth. We discuss the period in her life when, in the midst of becoming a rising entrepreneur, she became homeless, and how it has informed her work and life, and what it means to find and build a home. Lori, welcome. It's so nice to have you. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely thrilled. Lori, mm-hmm. to begin, can you tell us about the significant places that you've lived and a little bit about your journey? Oh, sure. I grew up in Ohio, in Cincinnati, so I'm a good old Midwestern child. I grew up with two professor and performing musician parents, so I got steeped in the arts from the womb. My parents were always practicing. My father was in the studio practicing his cello, and my mother was in the living room on her baby Grand Steinway. I woke up to the sound of music. And when I was a little girl, I would sit under my mother's piano. If I was sleepy, I would go take a nap under the piano. And and it felt like the notes just rained down on me. Like they became just a part of my flesh. Wow. I adored my mother. She was a soloist with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. I was allowed to run around backstage. She was in her gown and she was going to be going out on stage and all that. We'd sit in a velvet box. I just felt like royalty. And when my mother would play for the Cincinnati Ballet, I would turn pages for her. (laughs) And my father traveled once a year for six weeks. He'd go overseas with the LaSalle String Quartet. He was the cellist. Then when mom got sick, it became a place in which we were in a lot of fear because we had no idea what was going to happen. And sure enough, she did die after 11 years. So it was an 11-year struggle with cancer. It sent me on a journey to other places to search for my own place in the world because I was homeless in a big way then emotionally. I lost my sense of self. Why did you go out to California? Oh boy. I had become a professional actor. I'd gotten my SAG after card and I felt erroneously that if I stayed here, I couldn't get any work, that I needed to go out West, but I didn't want to go to LA because I didn't know anybody there. And I had fallen in love with San Francisco when I visited it. So I went out, I did some theater acting and I auditioned for a heck of a lot of television, but it didn't happen. Instead, I ended up in an environment, the Bay Area, which is in its own peculiar way, very impersonal. 
even though when you meet with people, they'll be very nice, where in the Midwestern world, if you connect with somebody, you get together instantly for coffee. You start talking a couple times a week if you're really like, wow, I feel a connection with you. Let's talk, let's be close. Out in the Bay Area, it's more like, oh, I like you so much. I feel so close to you. No, I'll see you when I see you. The lack of connectivity, it taught me that that is home for me. Connection with other people is a huge part of home. I wonder if that's a function of time in an urban environment. I know it's true here in New York as well. People are just too busy. That's part of it. And it's also part of, I think, of being in a place where everybody's trying so hard to survive, where the cost is so high. It causes you to focus almost like a cornered animal that leaves so much less emotional and physical time to really reach out to other people. So while you were in San Francisco, while you were trying to be an actor, you sort of entered the corporate world and you were there for about 30 years. Yes. 21 was when I started doing the whole corporate thing. And yeah, it was not a good fit, shall we say. But I did use this quite a sociological learning because I've always learned about interpersonal communication. I did some graduate work in sociolinguistics. My focus was power in language. At some point you left San Francisco. I was not working at the time. I was furthering my entrepreneurial journey. And I went looking for work, but the work that I was able to be offered would just let me survive. None of it was going to let me thrive. I was going broke and going broke until finally I did go broke. So my option was live in my car or find another way. So necessity really is the mother of invention for sure. You know, everything that bolstered up my sense of who I am was going at a very rapid rate, was mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. I jumped on Facebook. I said, look, I'm jettisoning my pride. Here's what's happening. Here's what I've tried. Here's what I'm continuing to try. But the fact is I've got two more weeks till I have to pay rent and I'm not going to pay my rent and I don't want to live in my car. Can you help? Can you help me get home? And people came out of the woodwork. It was amazing. It was insane. A woman who I'd known in high school, who I hadn't talked to, connected with, thought of for 40 years, saw my plea on Facebook literally paid for a plane trip home. When I got home, I was homeless, except that I was very, very fortunate. Over the next three years that I was trying to climb out of that situation, there were people who I could live with. One person for this amount of time, then I'd find another place to stay. I've had people be completely astonished that there were people who invited me into their lives. And I am one of them. I think it's an amazing thing to do. It killed the friendships. It's very hard to live with people you love, to live with people that you are being good to, no matter how much they stay out of your way. They say, what do you want? Let me do things the way you want them done. No matter how much effort, I'm telling you, it's just very, very difficult. It's hard for them to be living with somebody who has that title, that label of homeless, because it carries a lot of meaning and a lot of negative connotation. I think depending on the type of person who I was living with, they would either feel very responsible for me, which I wasn't asking them to do, or else they felt like they didn't know how to say it's time for you to go. This process of being homeless, I know when you talk about home, it has a much larger meaning. That sense of finding your home ultimately in yourself, 
in contrast to the life that you had been living before in the corporate world in San Francisco, that sense of not being at home in that <sighs> life, to finding your home in yourself and treating this as a, almost a sacred experience of becoming. Mm, I love that. I love that. And that's in fact what it has been and what it continues to be. And I want to say that wasn't entirely just being graced with the experience of it being sacred. I actually was nurturing that. For most of my adult life, I have been the person who questions everything because I want the core truth. I want the kernel, the center, the molten lava mm -hmm. of the truth. I want that. I do not want the happy answer. I do not want the positive thinking. I want the positive being. I want to be the wholeness and also the center of who we all are, which is that indescribable spiritual essence. A lot of us are fortunate to have an experience where we go, oh my God, I get it. And then the thing is, how do you keep it? You have to understand that it's ever present. It is your home. It is invisible. And then also the multi-layered part of home. Sadly, we live in a culture where we're far more interested in home as a place you fit into rather than home that you build. It's about identity. Exactly. And then what does that mean? When I hear identity, I think of who I want to unfold into, to what kind of human, what kind of woman do I want to be? And beyond the shoulds, who do I want to be? I want to be all of my energy, which is huge. I mean, like I have this big, crazy energy, which I've learned to contain because otherwise I'll blow down cities. The environment I want to live in is a container that holds me safe while I am a complete virago and the force of creativity and self-expression. I really feel so strongly if all of us were allowed to tap the parts of us that we keep secret right. and we were allowed to just share them, that we would pretty instantly change the entire world. It's just an amazing thing to, to watch when I stand on a stage and I'm free to express and I'm looking at different people in the audience and I can see them pop. You have a gift. Well, thanks. <laughs> we keep trying to Pleasantville our environment. But what we're doing is we're robbing ourselves of quality of life. We have to become a hospitable environment, a hospitable home ourselves. Exactly. I want to read something to you. I think you'll Please. enjoy this. Okay. I am reading from David White's book. He's a poet. And the book is called The House of Belonging. Oh, what a title. Oh, my God. So the whole theme of the book is around this. Awesome. This is part of a poem called Sweet Darkness. When your vision has gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark, where the night has eyes to recognize its own. There you can be sure you are not beyond love. The dark will be your womb tonight. The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. You must learn one thing, 
The world was made to be free in. Give up all the outer worlds, except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness to learn anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. I love that that presupposes a truth that we are all so much. We're all so big. We're all ready. It's not something we're striving for. It's who we are now. And it also speaks to the value of darkness. And it's so tied to what you were just talking about. It is a womb. The darkness is a womb. But I mean, this period that you went through, the desert, the darkness, right? Yes, I, I guess it was a hell of a womb. <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, I've been out of it now for three and a half years. And I've challenged myself every day to redecorate my home, my mental home. I love that. <laughs> Do you want to hear one more? Yes, please. <laughs> this one is called The Journey. Sometimes everything has to be inscribed across the heavens so you can find the one line already written inside you. Sometimes it takes a great sky to find that. First, bright and indescribable wedge of freedom in your own heart. Sometimes with the bones of the black sticks left when the fire has gone out. Someone has written something new in the ashes of your life. You are not leaving, even as the light fades quickly now. You are arriving. You know, it's gorgeous. It's also something that you can realize perhaps after you've gone through it, not when you're in the middle of it. Here's my deal. I deeply love and feel, honestly, for us humans. Because we're sort of trying to find land, trying to find home, that appreciation for our shared plight does allow me to really see so much more beauty. I was always looking for home. I don't think until I met you to talk about this, I don't think I actually would have called it that. So thank you for the framing. You know, when my mother died, I was always looking for home. And so, of course, as a young woman, I thought it was a man. And for a while, work was home too, I guess. Oh, God, no. It was the place that kept me in a structural home, but it was never home. So it's been this search for an authentic way of living that's more relational. We all need to find the places that will allow us to be real, because that's where home begins. You want to build your home from there. Now that you have this understanding and have traveled all the way from working in a certain way to being homeless, to building your own business, how does this sense of home unfold in your current business? Thanks for asking that. It's actually central. I spent so many years going through what a lot of us go through who are multi-talented. We're told, choose one thing and do that. I can't. I'm an author. I'm a singer. I'm a speaker. I'm an actor. I'm a teacher. I'm a sociolinguist. I could not make a choice. I tried. If I don't feel that flow coming from inside of my heart, I'm not interested. 
I follow a creative process as a way of living. I've learned that my business as a completely rigidly structured thing doesn't work. And I want to be a force that helps us to come home to ourselves. In my experience, we have got to be all that we are. So we have to find ways to make peace with this home, this physical home that we carry with us everywhere we go. Not only to come to peace, but to come to peace with the fact that we are going to have to decorate. We're going to have to undecorate. We're going to have to take certain pieces of luggage and chairs and tables out of this place that no longer work for us. We have to come into an experience of self-creating. My business is the Goodbye Good Girl Project. We question any rule that keeps you feeling that you have to be rigidified. I love it. Lori, it's been magical talking to you. Sacred. Sacred. The way you talk about home is deep and authentic and so creative. I really want to thank you for your time and for your generosity in being here. It's been amazing. This has been the most amazing interview. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Dear listeners, thank you for being here. I invite you to reflect on what you've heard today and send your thoughts or stories. We would love to hear from you. Stay in touch on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, thewearing.com. Subscribe free to Wearing wherever you get your podcasts so that you are alerted when the next episode airs. Wearing is a pro bono initiative of Dreamland Creative Projects, which provides architectural and interior design services for the places where we live, heal, age, and inspire. If you wish to have a design consultation, visit dreamlandcreativeprojects.com or email me, nina at dreamlandcreativeprojects.com. Until we meet again, goodbye from Waring.